0: Well, it was 30 years ago, um, so my memory might be a little, you know, fuzzy. Considering it was 30 years ago, I'm pretty sure it was Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. 6 a.m. But, you know, I mean, maybe it was 7. Maybe it was 7 a.m. Maybe it was 8 a.m. But to, that, but to this uh, then 18-year-old college student, it might as well have been 4 a.m. It was early in the morning. It was dark and early in the morning. It, it was like, you know, the situation where you didn't previously know there was a five on the clock besides 5 p.m. It was that kind of situation. It was an early morning. And I want to I just as a quick side note about these early mornings. It was a group of men, young men gathered Uh, And we were uh, studying the Bible together, and we were being encouraged um, by one of our leaders. That's what we were gathered for. But one uh, just kind of interesting side note that sticks out in my mind, not an important thing that sticks out in my mind, but it yet sticks out in my mind nonetheless, was that my good friend, one of my best friends at the time, Chris Gothold, was a music uh, education major. And because he was a music ed major, he was learning the basics. He could play, the, play a bunch of instruments at the basic level, right? He needed to be able to teach music. He needed to be able to teach these instruments. So he was a music education major. So he was learning to play. So we met Wednesdays at 6 a.m. or whatever time it was that was dark and early. And we always got a chuckle out of the fact that one week he could be there with like a little flute case, And then the next week, he'd show up lugging a cello. He just never knew what Chris was going to be carrying um, because he was coming to our meeting before he would go to class. Um, That's pretty inconsequential. But what's more important about these Wednesdays at who knows what early hour uh, is the other thing that sticks out in my memory is this expression that, that that my mentor, my discipler, our leader taught taught us, he would use the expression, it's a high cost, I'll pause the expression, high cost, referring to, it was painfully early in the morning for college students. The, The high cost, in that case, was us getting out of bed way earlier than we needed to when you normally, you know, would get up five minutes before class, that whole thing. So high cost, but he would say, it's a high cost for a high cause. Because we were gathered to study the Bible together to spur each other along in our growth in following Jesus. And so um, I want you to think for a minute. When you think of your story of, of coming to know Jesus, or when you think of your story of what has helped you along the way to grow in Jesus, what are some key things that come to mind? Think about your journey. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've been following Jesus for some time, think about how did God work? What did God work through? Who did God work through to help you become a follower of Jesus and then learn to follow Jesus and, and, and be challenged and grow and, and, and mature even further? When I think of my story, and I'm guessing when many of you think of your story, we think of people. Yeah, there are milestones, you know, there are significant spiritual milestones of of going to this class or attending church or being baptized, but I'm guessing that if you think about your story of coming to know Jesus and, and growing in Jesus, you think of people, and that's so true of me. It's so true of how God has worked in my life to help me follow Jesus, is these several key people that were in my life and that were godly and loved Jesus and wanted to help others love Jesus more. And so I could name a bunch of people that have been in my life at different periods, um, pastors and other leaders and Bible studies, but the one I'm thinking of this morning is Dan Jensen. And he's the one I'm talking about from those dark and early mornings where on our secular non-Christian church, uh, college campus, we were gathered um, as part of a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as CRU. and our Bible studies would meet Wednesday. And Dan Jensen was a was an engineering professor at my undergrad university, but on but on the side he was a part time Campus Crusade for Christ uh, staff team member and leader, and um, and so significant in my life and in the life of a few other of many others. But in that season of life, we had the opportunity to be weekly with Dan Jensen, one on one or in a small group, weekly through my whole four years of college. And um, this is, you know, to me, not an accident, something I consider very fortunate is my four years at my university were the only four years um, of campus crusade ministry activity and Dan Jensen's pre- presence on that campus. So just super thankful for how God used. Um, people in this case Dan Jensen in my life. So look at the screen with me. Here's a definition we're going to look at a couple times. Discipling, and you might maybe now we use the term mentoring more or you know guiding or spiritual leadership or things there, there's maybe ways, but I feel like the more most biblical way to describe it is this. Discipling is an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other disciples, other followers of Jesus in order to, read this part with me, encourage, equip, and challenge one another in love to grow toward maturity in Christ. This includes equipping the disciples to teach others as well. So this is a um, just a quote I found, and there's lots of ways you could describe discipling, discipleship, um, being a disciple, but this is one I want us to look like, look at. And the reason we're doing that this morning is because being discipled, having someone disciple me, having someone disciple you, and I want to also suggest that, that me discipling others, you discipling others, are hallways where the Holy Spirit is active. And that's the series that we just started last Sunday. And what we're saying here is that one of the hallways where our spiritual growth can be spurred along, one of the hallways where the Holy Spirit is active is as we put ourselves in relationship with other believers in Jesus, right? If I I become friends with or I'm being discipled by Dan Jensen, Dan Jensen's a follower of Jesus. He has the Spirit of God in him. And so, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. I have the Spirit of God in me. But as I learn from Dan, he is Holy Spirit-empowered and enabled. And so now being discipled by him, I'm in a hallway where the Holy Spirit is active. And I think the Scriptures are also clear that if we put ourselves in a position to care for and nurture others that are following Jesus— As a Holy Spirit indwelled follower of Jesus myself, when I put myself in a position to care for and nurture and spur and disciple others, I'm in a hallway where the Spirit is active, where the Spirit can work in me and through me. And so um, I do want to mention this. If you missed last Sunday's message when we started this series, uh, I don't often say, uh, you know, go back and and listen or go back and watch on YouTube. Um, It's not about. The sermon, but I think it's going to be helpful to you as we go through this series. In fact, um, I'm thankful for several of you that I interacted with in recent days that found last Sunday to be quite helpful as an explanation of where we're going. And so, um, I would encourage you if you missed the, the last Sunday, or even if you didn't miss it, it's on our. You can take a look at it again if you want. Our Facebook page, our YouTube page, call the office if you're not sure how to find it. But in particular, with this series. I think it would be helpful if we're all on the same page in regards to where we started, what the introduction last Sunday was, explaining this idea of hallways, of explaining that we are spirit indwelled, that as a follower of Jesus, you have God Himself, the Spirit, living within you, and yet the Bible urges us to be filled. There's these opportunities we have to put ourselves in hallways where the Spirit is active so we can be increasingly kind of filled with the Spirit for our own spiritual transformation, but also so that we can minister to others. And so, um, so be sure to, to listen or watch uh, last Sunday if you haven't had a chance to. So this uh, Sunday then, and, the, and the, next, the rest of the Sundays this summer, we're going to be looking at some of these specific hallways. What are some of these places, so to speak, where we can put ourselves to give, uh, to give opportunity for the Spirit to fill us, transform us, work in us, so that we can be transformed into the likeness of Christ. So when it comes to today's topic, being discipled or, or making disciples, let's start where we should start. After Jesus rose from the dead... And before he ascended into heaven in Matthew 28, some of Jesus' last words to us are, are familiar to some of us, that we would refer to these as the Great Commission. And it starts this way, and then we'll put some of it on the screen. But before that, it starts this way. Jesus came and said to his disciples, to his followers, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is saying, I am king of all. God has given me authority and before I ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of God, here are the words I have for you. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There's there's a bunch of aspects there, but the main command from Jesus is make disciples. Followers of Jesus, help other people become followers of Jesus. Disciples help make disciples. And then in that verse, there's a lot we could talk about, but we don't have time for now. How do we make disciples? There's three participles in there by going. So as you go, as you go through life, as you interact in your spheres of influence, God wants to, by the Spirit through you, make disciples. And as you go and and you're fulfilling his command to make disciples, you're also baptizing, which means enfolding them into the community of God, bringing them into the church family. And then we are teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded you. And after that, Jesus says, And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And when I think of Dan Jensen and I think of the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as CRU, uh, almost synonymous in my mind with that ministry is this scripture from 2 Timothy. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And here's the part that, that Crusade models so well. And what you have heard from me... In the presence of many witnesses, entrust that. What you've learned from me, entrust that to faithful men, who, and then those faithful men will be able to teach others also. So, so uh, it's probably even more effective if we look at this uh, next slide on the screen, this chart. When we think of this, that Bible verse, and we think of effective ways to spread the good news of Jesus, this is kind of that Bible verse visual. Paul, the writer of this letter, is saying, hey, you, Timothy, you teach what I've told you to, to a few, and make sure you train those few so they can train others. And then what happens as this chart gets, goes further and further down? What's going to happen? Multiplication. More and more people, right? In fact, I, you know, we don't have time to do the math, but I, every time I've, I've come across this in my Christian journey, it's fascinating to think about Those of you that have the spiritual gift of evangelism, awesome. Those of you that can talk to someone that you just met five minutes ago, and then they want to follow Jesus 10 minutes later, you have the gift of evangelism, and it's awesome. And you could go around every day of your life sharing the good news of the gospel, and someone could put their trust in Jesus, and that would be an awesome, effective ministry for the glory of Jesus, right? But then we would look at that not but— we would look at that numerically and we would see that you had one person a day, one person a day, and that would be fruitful ministry. But the pattern of 2 Timothy 2.2 is this idea. Now, most of us don't feel we have the spiritual gift of evangelism. And most of us do not have opportunities like Billy Graham to speak to 10,000 people at one time. Right? So what do you and I do everyday normal followers of Jesus, the pattern of 2 Timothy 2.2 is come alongside one or two. One or two people a year, maybe. And invest in them. And teach them to follow Jesus. And teach them to follow Jesus on their own so they're not dependent on others to help them follow Jesus. And then this potential, this exponential potential comes over years and years of this kind of intentional Discipleship. Are you tracking with me on that? Sharing the gospel is uh, best done in relationship. And um, we need people. We are created to be in relationship with people. God is a God of, of unity, a God of relationship. And he's created us to be in relationship with him and relationship with others. And we're going to talk more Um, next Sunday about the importance of of Christian community, of followers of Jesus being surrounded, uh, being part of a community of believers. We're going to talk about that more next Sunday. But today, my specific emphasis, the specific um, item I'm trying to uh, identify today, the specific hallway we're talking about is being in a deeper relationship with one person, someone that's discipling me, and allowing God to use me as a follower of Jesus to disciple others. And so we want to. We want to. I want to urge you to consider this both both uh, ways this morning. Are you being discipled? Is there someone in your life that that is a follower of Jesus that you trust and admire, and you want to learn from them, and they're investing in you? And then I want you to also consider: Are there is there one or two or a few others in my life who I can spur toward Jesus, who I can encourage, who they can learn from me? Um, don't wait. Don't wait till you think you've arrived to do the discipling. "Ah, I haven't learned enough. I don't know enough. I still need to be discipled. I haven't gone to church enough times. No. Put yourself in a hallway where the Spirit is active. Be discipled and let God disciple others through you. Okay, so I want to start moving a little faster here as we look at a variety of scriptures. We see throughout scriptures Um, the importance of connecting with others. So first, I'm gonna rattle off a few that are not on the screen, but just track with me here. Proverbs 27, iron sharpens iron as one man or one person sharpens another. We we see throughout scripture the importance of of being with others and investing in others and pointing others to Jesus. Where else? Titus 2.3 says, Older women, you are to teach what is good and so train the younger women. 1 Peter 5 is an exhortation to elders, the leaders of our local church families, an exhortation, a, a challenge, a charge to the elders to be examples to the flock, to shepherd, to nurture, to care. Uh, Proverbs 22 speaks to uh, those of us who are parents. Parents are instructed to train up a child in the way that he should go. So we could go on and on about throughout the scriptures of the importance of community, of connection with other people, and connection with other believers for the purpose of growing in Christ and helping them grow in Christ. I love this one. This one's on the screen, 1 Thessalonians 2.8. So being affectionately desirous of you. So I'm I'm so fond of you, church family. God has given me a heart for you, the author writes. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel, not only did we want you to know the spectacular news of what Jesus has done for you, but also we are ready to share with you our own selves, our lives, because you had become dear to us. As a follower of Jesus, we have this opportunity to live in community and live in relationship with others out of a fondness that we have for each other because of of God giving us that. We have this opportunity to share not only the good news of Jesus, but our lives. And of course, we say this all the time, the gospel is the spectacular good news that God rescues sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We, we want to be in relationship with people so that we can be used by God to impart the spectacular good news that's summarized on the screen. Our lives and our words and our actions and our impact on others ought to be about sharing the gospel and our lives, making sure they know that it's, what did we sing earlier? That it's because of Christ, I am alive. Our lives should impart that. the the spectacular news that God rescues sinners like me through through Jesus willingly going to the cross, dying the death that we deserve, being raised victoriously to new life, showing me that I too can have new life. Because of Christ, I am alive. And we're saying he's alive in me. He's alive in me. And so when we think about, um, yeah, when we think about being discipled, or, um, or, being, uh, yeah, or, or being disciples ourselves, God is with us. And then one more verse we'll look at, uh, Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, discipleship, discipling, is uh, an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other disciples in order to encourage, equip, and challenge one another in the love. In love, we do that grace. I love that it put in love in there. We we come alongside each other to spur each other along, to challenge each other, to maybe even to call each other out, maybe to point out sin, maybe, maybe to offer grace to, but it's all in love. Not, not being mean, not thinking I'm better than you, not, not nailing you to the wall because of your sin, but by love and, and by offering God's grace to one another, we disciple each other to, to encourage each other, equip each other, and challenge one another. And discipling includes making sure that our disciple can teach others as well. Let's look a little bit further at that definition. What do we see in there? We wanna challenge one another in love to grow toward what? Toward maturity. Sometimes I get going and I feel like I'm talking and I'm just making sure anybody's following along. (laughs) Thanks for humoring me. We wanna point each other toward maturity. What does that look like? Not in our journey with Jesus, in our life of following Christ on this side of eternity, before he returns and sets all things right, what does it look like to walk with Jesus? What does increasing maturity look like? And I think one thing is not being dependent on others for our spiritual life, for our spiritual growth. Not being dependent on one hour a week in a certain room with leaders doing it for us. I think part of our maturity in Christ and being able to walk with Christ and obey Him and live out His ways is uh, as we are not dependent on others for our spiritual growth. Followers of Jesus do what? Follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus follow Jesus. And fully devoted followers of Jesus follow Jesus. And that means they obey Jesus. The, The Great Commission says we teach each other to do everything that Jesus commanded, we're to we're to see who Jesus is, and then be transformed into his likeness and live out the ways of Jesus in our spheres of influence. And so, um, we have this opportunity to carry out the Great Commission, to u- be used by God as spirit-empowered ministers of the gospel. You, follower of Jesus, are a Holy Spirit-empowered missionary who, is, wants, who God wants to use to point others to Jesus, to help others grow in Christ, to be uh, a conduit of God's love to the world and a proclaimer of the greatness of Jesus. God wants to do that in and through you. And so... Um, that can be a little bit like, whoa, really? Am I up for that? God wants to do that through me? Am I capable of that? Am I ready? Am I up for it? Yeah, you know why? Because Jesus rose in victory and he's alive in you. You are up for it. Yes, you need to be discipled, but you also need to be discipling. You need to be training others, helping them follow Jesus. And you are up for it because we are indwelled by God himself through the Holy Spirit. And so we look quickly at a couple of verses here. John 14 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, specifically In context, in the scriptures, I think this verse is specifically to the original 12 disciples, the apostles. And this verse has to do with, hey, you guys, I'm going to, by the Spirit, help you remember what Jesus taught you so you can write the Bible. Pretty important? But I think there's a truth here that that I don't think it's a stretch for us to apply, apply to all of us as believers. As believers who God himself, by his Spirit, lives within us... He, he will remind you of what you've learned, of what you've read in the Bible, of what, of what Jesus has taught you so that you can minister to others. You're not on your own. It's not up to you in your own strength. It's not dependent on how good of a Bible memory person you are. The Spirit of God is within you. Look at 1 Corinthians 2. Paul writes, I was with you in weakness. And in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. This is so fascinating because so many times, those of us that have been Christians for a while, and we hear about the Apostle Paul and we know how much of the New Testament he wrote, and we think he was this amazing church planner and this incredible leader, and every time he talks about himself, he goes, Not that impressive. I relate to him so much. And so he says, it's not about my words of wisdom and how awesome I am, but what was it that people were changed by? A demonstration of the spirit at work, it says in the screen there, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Church family you are a Holy Spirit-empowered minister of the gospel. And it's not about you and your personality and your giftedness and your smarts and your intelligence. It's about demonstrating the Spirit's power at work within you. He's changing you, making you new, making you into a new person and empowering you to minister. And then look at this next one, John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus preparing his disciples for him gonna ascend into heaven. He says, I'm gonna leave. You're not gonna have me all the time. And then he says this thing that had to have been kind of mind-blowing at the time. He says, trust me, it's to your advantage if I go away because if I do not go away, then the helper will not come to you, referring to the Holy Spirit. He says, if I go away, I will send the Holy Spirit to you and when he comes, he will convict the world. Uh, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And, and so there's a couple of things there. First of all, we, we should be encouraged that, that Jesus is not physically present with us. We don't get to walk with him like the disciples did, but he sent the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is with you. And it's the Spirit's job to convict and teach. And so when you share the gospel, is it up to you to make sure they follow Jesus? It's a work of God. So we do our part faithfully, we share that Jesus has changed my life because of Christ I am alive. We share our story, our journey, our testimony, we share the word of God with them as God enables us to and then we know that the spirit will come, it's the spirit that does the work, it's God that changes lives. So, do we, do we recognize that we need to be discipled? You know, I, I hope many of you are in a relationship like that already or have experienced that in your Christian life, that you're in relationship with someone now that you would consider a mentor or a discipler, someone that you can learn from. They may or may not be older chronologically than you. They may or may not even really be necessarily any more spiritually mature or experienced than you. But are you in a relationship with someone who can disciple you who God, by His Spirit, putting you in a hallway where the Spirit is active, can teach you and and mold you. And, I hope we're challenged this morning, are we in a place where we can spur others along? Is God using you in that way? Are you connected with peers or perhaps uh, it could be peers journeying with Jesus and and that you can help and point them and spur them along? Or it could be those that are chronologically or spiritually younger than you? Are we in a relationship where we can share our life with others? And I would just urge you, don't wait for it to just happen. I feel like a lot of, I, in, my, in, my, in my years of ministry, I feel like I've come across a lot of followers of Jesus who would love this to be true, who hear what I'm just describing and go, yeah, I, I, should, I would love to have a relationship with like that. I would love to meet some with someone who I respect and admire and who loves Jesus and who could help me. I think there's a lot of willingness and interest in that, but it's not just, I just, gotta, I just gotta challenge you, it's probably not gonna just happen. You're probably not gonna just have someone walk up to you and go, hey, I'd like to disciple you. Now, by the way, if God tells you to do that, go do that, go offer but I just am not sure that that's the way it's gonna happen. So where am I going with that? I'm just saying, don't wait for it to just happen. Find a believer in Jesus who you love and admire and you trust and talk to them. And it might feel awkward, but you know what? Get over it. Ask them if they'll have lunch with you. Ask them if they'll go out to coffee. Tell them that you really appreciate what you see in them of how they follow Jesus. And then just be awkward and ask, could you help me follow Jesus? Could we do this every once in a while? And it doesn't have to be just one-on-one. I would say that sometimes the dynamic of a few is even better. Three or four is is potentially an even better dynamic. One-on-one is great. Two, three, four might even be an even better fit because now the spirit is at work in two or three or four and you're shaping each other and you're journeying and you're guiding and you're praying and you're correcting and you're teaching and you're encouraging. It's an awesome opportunity. And so as we wind down here, I just wanna say that here at Faith Church, one of the ways that one of the main you know, avenues, one of the main hallways, I'll use that language. One of the main hallways here at Faith Church for discipleship is our life groups. And our life groups are a way to make our, our church family smaller, in a sense. It's great to gather together as a larger group on Sundays. And this is celebratory and fun. And we point each other to Jesus and we celebrate. But we need to sometimes, it's important in our discipleship journey, following Jesus, to make the church smaller, so to speak. And so our life groups are groups of six or eight or 16 or 20. It, they, they vary. They vary but to be part of a, a, a smaller group of people in the church, and I love this expression, where you can know others and be known. Sundays is great, we see each other in passing, we give high fives, we ask about the weather, we talk about the Mariners, or not. And then, and then, we, you know, and then we go on. But in life group, we have an opportunity to know each other and be known. And then um, within a life group, this is not true in all of our life groups, but we're working our way this way. One of the things we encourage is that within a life group, so we've made the church smaller into a life group, and now within the life group, we'd even encourage you to make it even smaller. And perhaps within your life group, you get together three uh, with the same gender, so you have three, four women meeting together, three, four men meeting together, et cetera, and create what we call DNA groups. And... um, I've said it before, you may have heard me say it before, I'll say it again, that this kind of setting, being in relationship, in my my journey with Jesus, this kind of setting, meeting regularly with two or three other men who love Jesus, has easily been the most significant spiritual nurturing, spiritual growth, prodding, spurring thing that God has used in my life to change me and mold me and make me more like Jesus. Everywhere I've moved, everywhere God has taken us, uh, every time we've moved and gotten connected in a different Christian community, I've ended up in a small group of men where I could tell the truth about my life and I'd know they still love me. Where they would challenge me to change that. But they would do it in grace. And they would pray for me. Easily, my favorite thing that God has done to transform me into the likeness of Christ, is connecting me in a, in a setting like that. And so within our DNA groups, or within our life groups, we would love to have you consider that. Or even if, it's, if you're not in a life group, or even if your life group isn't prepared to, to divide up into DNA groups, then just grab two or three others, and let me know if we can help you know what to do with these, but get together, and know and be known and tell the truth about your life and have an opportunity to spur one another along to love and good deeds. So that's where we are today. Being discipled, being discipled, and being disciplers, I believe, is a hallway where the Holy Spirit is active. I think if we put ourselves in hallways where the Holy Spirit is active, then we have an opportunity to be filled with the Spirit, to be transformed into the likeness of Christ and increasingly empowered to serve others. And so, church family, does your story of coming to know Jesus include significant people? Does your journey finding Christ and following Christ include people that you've looked up to and that would help you grow? I think many of your stories do include those people, even though I only got like three head nods. I'm teasing. I think your stories include people, and and I want you to know God wants us to be those people in the lives of others as well. Because investing our lives in the discipleship process, helping others know and follow Jesus, is a high cost for a high cause. And what's that high cause? We've been looking at it on the screen. That high cause is to encourage, equip, And challenge one another in love to grow toward maturity in Christ. Father in heaven, thank you for your work in our lives this morning and always. Father in heaven, thank you um, for my church family. And even as I look around the room, I'm, I'm, I'm all too aware of various places that we are, various things that have happened this week. Lord, we mourn with those who mourn. We hurt with those who are experiencing loss and disease, and suffering. God, would you encourage and strengthen them? And as we look around and as we're part of a, a church family, we also uh, just see opportunities to rejoice with those who rejoice. We thank you for um, new life and uh, growing church and people excited about Jesus. And, and so, God, would you just encourage... Um, those in the church family that are just experiencing your love and blessing too. Father, we want to head into a new week knowing you are with us, considering the way we organize our lives. God, help us to reflect on what we prioritize, what we invest in, What does our time and energy spent describe about what's important to us? If I consider my calendar and my to-do list and the place all my time goes, God, what does that show us about what we exalt in our lives? May we never boast in anything except the cross of Christ. God, may our lives be formed, shaped around you. we thank you for your son, for his sacrifice on the cross for us, for his victorious resurrection from the dead. We thank you for the spectacular news of the gospel that because of Christ, we too can live. So God, help us as disciples to continue to grow, to not be Satisfied with the status quo and not be satisfied with where we're at now but to know that you are continually at work in our lives by your spirit transforming us more and more into the likeness of Christ God we are made to connect with you and we are made to connect with others so show us where we have opportunities to put ourselves in hallways where the spirit is active show us if you're calling us to be connected more with others for the sake of spurring each other along. And God, for the next few minutes that we have together as we continue in our, in our worship time together this morning, may everything we do and say exalt Jesus as we lift our voices in song, as we say prayers, as we give hugs to one another and check in with one another, as we give our financial offerings, as we, uh, as we study your word, as we go into a, a new week as your spirit-empowered ministers, God, I pray that we would do all of this out of just thankfulness for all you do, all the ways you love us, all the ways you guide us. We need you. We worship you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.